Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. Amanda, I have a quote. I love quotes, especially from books. Yes. Yeah. And this one you're going to love. Because you picked it out. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) The The Patronus is a kind of positive force, a projection of the very things that the Dementor feeds upon. Hope, happiness, the desire to survive. Hmm. Lupin said that in Harry Potter. Harry Potter? Harry, Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, just when the internet and the world out there listening to our podcast thought that we couldn't get any dorkier, we throw out a Harry Potter quote mm-hmm. as 30-something-year-old women. No. You know. <laughs> Fits the lifestyle. It totally does. Um, but, you know, it's really interesting because that quote reminds me of depression. Like, yeah. Big time. It feeds on your, you know, your happiness or your desire, you know, to be happy, that hope, like all of that. And so it's so interesting that the Dementor then can be fought by conjuring up this happiness, this major energy in Pure order to project yeah. it. Yeah. Um. But it reminds the Dementors and that quote just remind me of how much depression can just eat away at people and how they can feel hopeless. And I felt like that before myself. Yeah. And I have to say, like, first watching Harry Potter, that was something that like clicked in my brain almost immediately Mm -hmm. is how like just symbolic that whole scenes that the Dementors are part of and just within the books, whenever they're brought up, it's, I, I've made that connection multiple times, and. So, do I you wonder, think, sorry, go mm-hmm. ahead. No, I was just, I wonder if, like, if you know whether or not that was the intention. Um, You know, I haven't done enough about, like, research with J.K. Rowling and her writing process, but I imagine, I mean, you have to think about everything Harry had gone through in his mm-hmm. life. How the fuck would he not be depressed? Right. He was kept in a fucking cupboard under the stairs for his entire childhood. Yeah, by family members that were supposed to love him. Right. And basically treated like, you know, Cinderella, do the chores, do this, you're a second class citizen. And then once he found out he was magic... And knowing that his aunt, his mother's sister, knew. The whole time, yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole time. Like, how could you not be depressed? And yet Harry still finds it within himself to conjure happy moments. 
Have you ever uh, had to do that? Girl. <laughs> on the daily. No, I struggle. So, you know, this is a great, we had introduced Pursuing Your Patronus last week um, with a series of interviews that we had done because of the the whole poop discussion and how that can lead to mental health issues. And for me, my mental health didn't come, my mental health um, conditions didn't come from situational. You know, I struggle with generally generalized anxiety disorder and um, general depression. And so um, they're not seasonal. They're not cyclical. It's a struggle to get out of bed some days. And so knowing how depression can eat away at somebody. Yeah, I've had Mm -hmm. to, you know, on a regular basis, I feel like I have to conjure. Maybe not my full Patronus, but, you know, a part of one. Right. The starting out cone. Yeah, or you know, like in um, oh my god, this is the the freak flag's gonna fly. You know, in the magicians, when yeah. at the <laughs> at the very beginning, like I said, we're dorks. Um, <laughs> at the very beginning, when she's trying to conjure her power, or even in The Witcher, let's just go full dork mode. Uh, when uh, Jennifer yeah. in the short stories at the be- she's trying to control her power. Yeah, and. You know, they, they have those scenes where it's like they're, they're holding their hands together and sparks start. Yeah. That's what I visualize my mornings as. Oh. Like, trying to spark enough of my Patronus to push away my depression. So, and my Patronus, for everybody listening, it could take one of two forms. I think an owl, because I think they're wise and... um sleek and silent but deadly and um we're a a cat or a cat yeah I can see that for sure I almost want to say your whole family would be a cat Patronus right we would just be like a family of cats projecting like a herd of cats just running at the Dementors (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're just so cute playing with yarns Yarns, balls of yarn. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what about you? What would your Patronus be? <clears throat> oh, man. I actually am not sure. Even when I was reading the Harry Potter books, it's something where it's like, okay, do you just pick your favorite animal or is there a deeper meaning? Like, does your personality or what you need as a Patrona, Patronus, like, I, I love horses like that's my favorite animal Mm -hmm. but I don't know if my Patronus would be a horse or not yeah I don't know I can't I don't know if I could see it conjuring up a horse right I guess do you have any other like affinities for any other animals I mean yeah I'm trying to think, like, there's very specific, like, um, like a lynx. I love mm. lynxes. Mm-hmm. Lynx eye. <laughs> Maybe it's just lynx, like deer. Right, just same. <laughs> um, so, and that's a type of cat, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Here, I'm going to, I'm taking a a random test to see what they tell me what my 
Patronus would be. Yep, I'm also taking that test. So what did you get? I am the phoenix. What? Yeah. I got the phoenix, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> this this test is rigged. Stupid. Maybe we answered too similarly. Okay, so you're a phoenix. <laughs> yep. Or a horse. Maybe you're a horse phoenix. What are those horses that have the wing? A pegasus. Pegasus. Maybe you're a pegasus. I'll take that. That's awesome. There you go. Um, okay, so now that we know your Patronus, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about, like, why you would conjure it. Um, you know, I mentioned I have generalized anxiety disorder and um, general depression. How about you? Yeah, so now for you, you have been actually diagnosed with those things, correct? That is correct. And medicated. <laughs> so I haven't. I haven't been diagnosed with anything I um haven't talked with any doctors in regards to mental health mm-hmm. um even uh, like whenever because I don't have like a primary doctor so this is one thing that is a downfall when it comes to primary doctors I think is because I, none of my doctors that I do see for the different specialists and whatnot that Uh, I talk to they don't ask about mental health really Uh the closest it gets to mental health is checking our status when you're signing in to to visit them and it's just that list of questions that you have to fill out so um I so and those are like really serious questions too those aren't just like you know, are you kind of sad sometimes? Do you blah, blah, blah? No, it's like, you know, have you thought about hurting yourself? Yeah. Those kind of questions. Yeah. From time to time. It depends on what the visit is for. Yeah. So if it's more of like just general health or whatnot, then yes, it's more of a broader question. But for certain, uh, certain doctors, yes, they get more specific they're like, if you checked yes for this, then they dive deeper. Like, <laughs> um, but on those forms, I do check off that I have anxiety and uh, depression, but only like, it's not like I don't feel depressed every day. It right. is like I go through moods. Yeah. Well, and that's normal, right? Like, most people go through moods, you know, whatever. Right. We all have ups and downs. We're not going to be happy all the time. That's right, exactly. Um, exactly. And those moods, like the depressed moods, whatnot, they're not even, like, severe depression where people should be concerned, I guess. Like, it should be something that... I, I should be talking just in case because I'm self-diagnosing and that's not always the best because maybe there is more concerning than I think. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, it's to me, it is not severe enough to really seek immediate help. Mm -hmm. Um, My anxiety, on the other hand, that one might need some attention. (laughs) Well, I do think some things worsen over time. Right. Yeah. Um, and so w- 
let's go back through your history though. So when did you first like think maybe I'm depressed or have anxiety? Was it in your adult life or was it when you were younger? Are they hand in hand? No. Um, I think the anxiety came on. So I want to say the anxiety came on before the depression. Um, anxiety started up, I'm trying to think it was for sure in high school. Um, but I want to say it was before that because mom and dad always say how, like, I, I was just as a kid after a certain point, like during elementary school, I was just quiet. Like I became very shy, Mm self-reserved, like, and at first it was maybe them thinking like my personality personality was just like an introvert mm-hmm. and I was like dad and just kept to myself and everything. But ultimately the reason why I was doing that is because of anxiety. Like I was nervous to speak or to say what was on my mind or anything like that. So do you know and then, why mm-hmm. or how like that manifested? Um, I started to develop a feeling as if what I was going to say would just be wrong. Mm. And I think it was because... Was that because your older sister was always right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, No, just kidding. (laughs) I think it was more like of how people around me would act whenever I did say anything wrong or if they thought I was wrong and Mm. I didn't like that reaction and so it like it makes me nervous when people jump on what I say and like almost it feels like an attack almost because they're getting they're like telling you you're wrong it's not just because it's how they say it right so like if it's okay so I guess for people like no um, a little background on us growing up our mom was when we were younger very in the business world and the banking industry like gone all the time and then my our grandpa got really sick he had cancer and so she moved to um take care of him And she took Sarah and my sister, our sister, Melissa, who's in between us. Um, And our brother was not yet born, (laughs) which is crazy because he's an adult now. But not yet. Right. (laughs) Soon, but not yet. Um, But prior to that shift, uh, because then things changed, right? Now, I wasn't there. I was like practically an adult at that point. So I was getting ready to move on out of the house. But things did start to shift. But prior to that, we did live in an environment that was very sarcastic, that Mm -hmm. was very um, not toxic, but like we have a lot of fire. If you guys are into like (laughs) astrology at all, we have a lot of fire signs in our house. We legit have um, you and mom growing up were both Leo's. Mm-hmm. Um, our sister Melissa was born in August, but she's born at the end of August, and then I'm in Aries. And um, so Melissa's a Taurus, I believe. No, Virgo, Virgo. Yeah, I um, say Virgo. She's a Virgo. And uh so it was just very not toxic. I don't know. How would you describe it? 
Because right. I can see what you're saying. Right. And it and I don't want to be like the <laughs> like from the movies. It's how you said it. Like it's dumb. It's like, not what you said. It's how you said it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like I realized that is how that sounded right then. But ultimately it is it's almost like our communication style within our family was just very like aggressive and it's not like in a bad way it wasn't physical or anything like that but we were just like we were loud people and we would very much like to point out when people are wrong (laughs) and so yeah and so like before it was totally fine and then like I think maybe eighth grade I think is when the anxiety really started to kick in for me Mm -hmm. and then I or like started to develop and then high school I had my first panic attack Mm. and it was all downhill from there (laughs) and was the panic attack like um test related or because I know you had test anxiety I remember talking about that when you were in high school yes and the panic attack happened the day before I had to take my SATs. Mm, oh, yeah. No, that makes total sense. That that shit. I don't know why we put so much pressure on kids like that, because that is just crazy to me. Well, um, I ended up not taking them. I have never taken the SATs. Well, and look, see, you're fine. Right. Did you miss it? No, probably no. not. <laughs> um, uh, but it's really interesting to me because. There is a misunderstanding, I think, when it comes to extroverted people and or introverted people. Like, basically, either way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I myself, and most people probably won't believe this, I'm pretty introverted. Like, in order to recharge, I need to be alone. There Mm -hmm. have been instances, like, with D&D and stuff like that, where... It's super rude, and I've only done it a couple of times, but if I'm just having a day where I am, like, anxious to the max, and my cup is completely empty, I've just left the table and, like, gone to my bedroom because I need to be alone. And so, when you kept saying, well, you know, we're just really loud, and we're just blah, 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 but we, as a family, really aren't. Actually, the majority, or at least half is quiet like if you think about you dad Thomas all three of you are on the quieter side and it's really me and mom and Melissa that are loud and domineering now do you still think that even when we're all together or are you thinking of like a public setting no when we're all together Yes, you, Thomas, and Dad send to t- you. You will be more active, and Dad and Thomas will be more active when it's just the family all together. Yeah, but still, still there's no. those personalities that <laughs> yeah are just louder. And when you're in a house like that, you're competing for attention, and then well, it's and- like I have to be loud if I want to be heard. <laughs> Well, in in all honesty, I think that was one of the things as well is because I chose not to, like, like you just said, if you want to be heard, you have to be loud, right? I chose just not to be heard. So 
when uh, we made that move that you were just talking about, um, where uh, grandfather got sick. And so we whole family kind of just moved over to another state so we could take care of him. Uh, you stayed behind. Dad ended up having to do army He's stuff. New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just me, mom and Melissa and then our grandfather. Um, and I just like there were so many issues in the house, in our family at the time that I I just I didn't want to always deal with it. I didn't always want to be noticed like I just wanted to be left alone so that way, not only did I have to hopefully pretend or just not have to deal with what was happening in the family, right? but I also just wanted to do my own thing. Like, I wanted to make sure that I, it, I don't know, like, I just didn't want to deal with it. Like, it didn't make me happy. It made me nervous. Like, I was freaking out a lot of the times about what was happening, not only because of grandfather was sick and like dying in front of us but Mm -hmm. also because melissa was having her bipolar her her own mental health crisis (laughs) yeah and i I was crises sorry (laughs) and i was not understanding what was happening and Mm -hmm. other than everything around me was bad maybe my depression did start here i was curious i mean that's why i asked the question initially because I I was curious if you thought that it all started when you were an adult or in high school or if you actually thought it started earlier, because I could see and this is where as parents now we look and we're like, God, please don't let me do so much damage. Um, (laughs) But I can see the little the depression bricks being laid. Right. Right. Like there's one anchor in the foundation. There's another anchor in the foundation of my depression, you know, and so it's like, okay, I'm moving you. Just being in the army in general was hard. And you might not remember as much of it moving around because by the time everybody moved to Washington, you were still pretty young. Yeah. Um, But like we moved all the time. Every two to five years we were moving. And so there was like for me, that was like one of the layers of my anxiety and depression. You know, if you think of them like paver bricks. It was like those two were side by side. Okay, first of all, you're moving all the time. You can't have sustained relationships with anybody. You always have to meet new friends. You're always going to be the new person in school. Well, and that was another reason as well. So when we first moved, and you're right, the only move that I actually remember was uh, from Illinois to Washington. Mm -hmm. I don't, the other ones I was too young for. I remember those like type of memories where it's almost like a dream because they're so old or you were just so young that your brain yeah. is still developing. So, but I do remember Illinois to Washington for sure. And I, that was definitely something else is that not only was I used to moving around, like I understood the reasons why we moved and I was okay with them. Mm-hmm. And I know we've, talked about this before but like we were conditioned to essentially not not necessarily to build up extremely strong relationships because a lot of the time we knew we were going to move away and 
I attempted to keep some of those friendships, but Mm -hmm. we're young and they for sure did not last very long, uh, very long once we weren't seeing each other on a daily basis. And everybody for our listeners that might be younger, you have to remember that Sarah and I are old. So the social media situation was not the situation it is now. So it wasn't as easy to keep in touch with people. That's a good point. The very good point. I did not have a cell phone because I was only in, I just got done with the fourth grade. I was going into the fifth grade. And if you did have a cell phone, you would be T9 texting at that oh, point. Right. Just an FYI. One, two, three, ABC, <laughs> D, 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 shit. Back, back, back. <laughs> one, two, three, exactly. one, two, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So ultimately, my friend and I, um, when I left Illinois, we exchanged our addresses so Mm. that way we could write to one another through the mail and we did that a couple times and then it just stopped uh understandably we're all hoping to have a beaches moment like a beaches pen pal where it's Mm -hmm. like and we were pen pals for 30 years right and then we came back to get yeah that shit doesn't happen no no it's hard well i don't shouldn't say it doesn't it's very hard to find people that are committed like that yes yeah myself i mean you know No, and I'm the exact same way, like, especially now with Mm -hmm. the technology that we have. It's just there's almost pointless. Yeah. So but that did breed some anxiety in you, the moving and everything. Yeah. Um, So I think I during the fifth grade, I was acting out because of everything going on. And by the I would say the seventh grade, I was completely changing. I was becoming even more like as I am today, I guess, like becoming extremely introverted. My anxiety was starting to build up. Apparently, Mm -hmm. so was my depression. And by the time high school hit, um, yeah, I was starting to. (laughs) <laughs> turn into that emo goth kid i had one yeah. of those phases she liked the safety pins a lot i did mm-hmm. lots, of black. lots yep. of black um interesting yeah so um and i just want to kind of de- define what major depression is for everybody again we're not doctors as we disclose um at the beginning of our podcast, but there are different types of depression. And what I was diagnosed with was actually major depression or major depressive disorder, which sounds scary, but essentially all it means, and this is where our mental health is like, I hope they continue to do more and more research to figure out the science behind mental health um, and things like that, because Mm -hmm. to be diagnosed with major depression or major depressive disorder, you basically just have to have five or more of a list on a list of symptoms, five or more of those things on most days for two weeks or longer. Mm. I don't know. Anybody doesn't, doesn't have five or more of these things maybe. So the list includes loss of interest or pleasure in your activities, weight loss or gain, trouble getting to sleep or feeling sleepy during the day, feelings, of restlessness, agitation, feeling sluggish, slowed down physically or mentally, being tired and without energy, feeling worthless or guilty, trouble concentrating or making decisions, and thoughts of suicide. So if you have five or more of those, 
on most days, so not every day, most mm-hmm. days for a period of two weeks or longer, that's how they quantify it. Interesting. So, and I'm like, I feel like five of those things on a regular basis all day, every day. So, so how did, so what about you then? When do you feel as if yours started to develop? Well, my childhood was very different from yours. I had a lot of shit go on really before you were even born that yeah. I think fucked me up royally from a mental health standpoint. I shouldn't say I think. I know it did because, you know, people, what I'm about to lay down is some very heavy shit, but I'm just going to get it out there and we'll do get, get it over with. So um, some of the smaller thi- or things that I consider smaller are... Um, our mother was married before she married your biological father, who we consider yeah. our dad, or I consider my dad. He's adopted me and my sister, Melissa, our sister, Melissa and everything. But before that, my, our mom had me, um, she had Melissa, um, like two and a half years later. Okay. Um, I'd get left alone, like at the age of four. So she, mom was struggling with her own mental health stuff. And uh, one of her big triggers is, like, weight. And so she spent a period of time basically being anorexic. She'd count everything, exercise to the last calorie that she took in. And so part of that included going running on a regular basis. So by the time I was four, I was watching a two-year-old at home. I had learned how to read because my mom would write notes or mom would write notes on the doors for me. Hey, I went out running. Take care of your sister. Um, so I think the first paper of my anxiety for sure was laid very early on in my childhood. Yeah. Because you imagine being four or five. Well, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, okay, James is eight. And what do I not let him do? Like, what do I not trust him to do? Mm-hmm. And now imagining him back when he was four. And then like you're saying, like getting him to read a note. Yeah. My son is lovely average. Like, <laughs> Aww. he's going to be super creative, I think. I just think it's, it's not a he's not like uh, book smart. He doesn't not. I shouldn't say he's not book smart. That's not how he enjoys learning. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He at this moment in time, he I mean, obviously he can change like many things can happen. He's very young. He's only eight. But at this time, it is very much not a book kind of kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But so. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm four years old. I get left with. A two year old. To make her breakfast. I mean, and she's in diapers. I had I knew how to change diaper. Like it's it's interesting. So that's really um and where was, so explain the dad situation. So our mother definitely has a thing for men in uniform because my biological father was in the military at the time as well. We moved around. So <laughs> I had been moving around since basically the day I was born. Um, Melissa, our middle sister, was born in Georgia. So by the time I was two and a half or three years old, I had already moved, I think, twice. Um, and so David is my biological father and he um i mean he they were young he was 18 19 years old you know 20 by the time melissa was born 20 or 21 years old and uh he was out being stupid having affairs cheating 
gone for the military training, you know, all these different things. So he just really wasn't around very much. And then, then our mom left him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just me, Melissa and mom for a while. Um, and then she met dad. And so those early years, I really think created a lot of anxiety in me. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, just waking up and being like four or five years old or six or seven or whatever. And being like, shit, like there's not an adult in this house. Yeah. I, I don't know. Anyway. So fast forward, you know, we have, um, become a family. Mom gets pregnant with you like right away. <laughs> and, uh, the next kind of level of issues was, uh, grandparents for me because then I'm seven, six and seven years old and we're meeting dad's parents mm-hmm. and dad's mom, grandma Shay did not like Melissa or I because she we were not dad's force huh. to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah. She's very Italian, very Catholic, very dead now, but very, oh my uh, gosh, <laughs> very, she didn't like us. I guess that's just the best way to say it. She tried no. to be nice. Yes. But it was very, it was not in her personality to be nice. So it, <laughs> was she was very biased about the situation. Yes. She didn't uh, like mom either because she was nope. a divorced woman. Right. And she had had kids. Yeah. Anyway. So that kind of created another level of anxiety and depression because it was like, I, I'm not welcome here. The mm-hmm. way that everything ended with mom and David was very terrible from a child's perspective because David signed away his rights to Melissa and I. And I actually remember the conversation was he had been calling and calling Tana. I love you. I just want you back. Even though she's like fucking with Tim, you know, whatever. And she finally told him, if you're not going to call to talk to your children, stop calling. And that was the last time he called. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so those bricks, kind of laid that foundation then we get older you come around our mom likes to try to save everybody so we had a cousin that had been raised by one of my one of our aunts and our aunt is was a drug user whatever anyway child in a really bad position well I was like seven or eight at the time and we lived in Ohio and our cousin came to live with us. Well, he was 12, I want to mm-hmm. say. And I was sexually molested by him for basically the entire time that he lived in our house. Um, and that definitely nailed the, you know, coffin lid shut in terms of will I, I be am. anxious and have depression? The answer to that is fuck yes, you will. Because yeah. you've been, I've been in this environment where you're told to keep secrets and you're told not don't tell them they won't understand this. We can only do this over here. This is, you know, and and anyway, so yeah. By the time I was an adult, I knew I was going to have to deal with this shit because there was no escaping it at that point, I guess. I kind of just always knew like I'm going to be an anxious person. Then when it came to my thirties, Um, We're time jumping here, but there's like a lot of stuff in between. But when it came to my 30s, then Tim, my son, has a lot of mental health conditions and 
ended up institutionalized um, Mm -hmm. and for a couple of weeks. Um, And that's when my anxiety really came to a head. And that was when I first started having panic attacks. Yeah. So it was like, you know how you said earlier, you're like, I can deal with it. I can deal with it. Yeah. You get to a point where you're like, oh, my God, I've been dealing with this for so long that my cup can't take anymore. Like it's flowing over. And that's when I had my panic attacks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm medicated for, well, not right now because I don't have, I have to find a different doctor because my health insurance changed. Gotta love America. But I'm medicated for my anxiety um, and medicated for depression. And uh, yeah, it definitely helps medication for sure. Cannabis also helps. Um, with my depression for sure anxiety it depends on the strain same yeah for me I do uh, like to take cannabis for anxiety and whatnot but it does depend on the strain because I've had strains that have made me extremely paranoid to where I was like I just need to go to bed like we're we're done (laughs) you're like I I'm having a full-on panic attack right now because of you stupid weed. We are right. done. I'm breaking up with you. Start over tomorrow. Yeah. Um. And I, okay. So, and I don't want to make light of anything I talked about. I think I'll write more about my experience on our blog and give resources to people that may have experienced the same things that I did because I know I just went through and hit on a lot of things <laughs> all at once. But it really is interesting to me because it divides how we were raised. Does that make sense? Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a clear division between how Melissa and I were raised in the beginning of our life and how you and Thomas were raised at the beginning of yours. Well, I mean, there's even, like, a clear – we talk about it quite often. Like, the difference between – what you guys experienced versus what we experienced. And then even more so what like the experiences the between child being a child and being an adult, because even I remember the difference between mom and Illinois and mm-hmm. mom and Washington. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because you were at that age where they easily overlooked you noticing stuff like that because they're like, oh, you know, she's just so young. But you're yeah. at the age where you're like, no, I'm, I'm taking it all in. Right. Like, yeah. I'm totally aware. Um, yeah, because our early years, the girls' early years were very different than Thomas's. Yeah. And even me and Melissa's were very different from even yours because yes. there's seven years between you and I. And that you, and yeah, your guys' experiences were completely different than, than mine and then completely different than Thomas. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, and I have to say for me, so I'm trying to think because usually there's some sort of like outside force, right? Mm -hmm. That causes some, the mental health concerns it can be or it can't just be a imbalance like melissa you know i'm sure parts of it um are the external factors but and that can exasperate or exacerbate or and 
you know, change how the, how things are perceived, but ultimately she has a chemical imbalance. Right. Medication. I'm wondering if (laughs) you have to give me your opinion, your Mm -hmm. honest opinion, because it is quite a topic. Um, but religion, Mm -hmm. because our parents, so should say we were Catholic at mm-hmm. one point, because that's how my father was raised. And, and for then, all those Catholics out there, we know that we're always Catholic. Well, at least right? I am, because I went all the way through confirmation. Anyway, you did too, didn't you? I was trying to think. I'm it usually sure happens I when did. you're 12, and I swear we had switched over. You would have remembered. You had to memorize a lot of shit for it. Yeah, didn't I have to wear, like, a special dress and everything? No, that was for your first communion. No, 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 not First Communion. Mm. It was something yeah. after First I don't know. Anyways. Probably Confirmation. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, for the Catholics out there, I'll confirm with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'll confirm my confirmation. All right. Um, clearly, we are no longer Catholic. Um, and then it switched over to Christian- Christianity. Um, like non-denominational. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as I started to get older and I went through college, I no longer really attended church. And I, the last time I went to church, I think was when around the time James was born. So like eight years ago. Nice. So, but I bring up religion because Sometimes not all churches are the best Mm -hmm. and the way that they teach their religion can be uh, frightening at times. Yeah. Telling kids you're going to go to hell. Right. Exactly. And like just (laughs) saying like if you're like confessing your sins and whatnot and you have to be judged Mm -hmm. upon those sins. And yes, it's not them necessarily judging you and that they are they have no right to judge you per the bible and whatnot but they are like there are people who cannot control their biases or they feel as if they're helping you they Mm -hmm. in their mind it's all in good conscious like but it on a child or somebody that's trying to understand the teachings like it can be yeah I, I I think that caused anxiety for me uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I can see that. And because you also went to a Catholic school for a while, too. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of Catholicism happening in your upbringing. And, um, yeah, I do think religion spills into it um, the expectation. It's more, I think, the expectations, like you were saying, that people have or how they go about treating uh, teaching you and Sunday school teachers aren't required to get like a teaching degree. And so, yeah. Um, And so I think that's why we wanted to talk about this, right? We had, we'd seen all the connections between the poop situations and mental health and anxiety specifically um, with poop and knowing our own mental health and the um, experiences that I've had in my family with my children, the experiences that we've both had in our family with our siblings, um, and each other, 
uh, and our parents, <laughs> to be honest. And so mm-hmm. um, when we were talking about that, the whole Patronus idea just really struck us, you know, um, that, I mean, that really is what the day-to-day is, you know, yeah. trying to conjure up, for me anyway, trying to conjure up that spark of happiness, that spark of my Patronus to push away the darkness. Well, and for me, it's definitely like, like I was saying, I get in those moods. So for me, it's not on a daily basis. It's not how you were saying, like, essentially, like you're waking up for the day and you're trying to get that spark going. For me, it's like I'm in this mood and my list is running long. I have a lot that I want to get done, but I don't feel like it. So I will try to conjure a Patronus to get Mm -hmm. me to to do something like Mm -hmm. to make a decision to force myself to be productive yeah I call that my productivity Patronus yeah Yeah. (laughs) it looks like a centipede with a thousand different arms you know oh gross (laughs) (laughs) doing all the things at one time um yeah so I hope that everybody continues to follow along with us as we chat with other people about their mental health Um, But also do some exploring around um, mental health in general and different ways that we can we can pursue and conjure our Patronus when needed. Um, You know, I look forward to talking about, you know, meditation and ancient cultures and how they talk about mental health, Um, because it's not like it can be new. Right. I mean, I guess we just used to think they were, you know, insane and put them in wards and stuff, but. But this was definitely just the tip of the iceberg. There is much more that we will be talking about. (laughs) We're deep, people. Deep. We are. Deep like the ocean. (laughs) Deep like the ocean. Still (laughs) on the surface and rolling underneath. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. And we will uh, talk with you soon. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Pursuing Your Patronus. And that it made you think a little bit about mental health and pursuing your own happiness and finding your ultimate Patronus. Make sure to stick with us here and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those social media sites. And if you're enjoying your Pursuing Your Patronus podcast with us, you may also want to think about checking out our Loot the Booty series and also where we nerd out on YouTube. Expecto Patronum!